you know, we're constantly learning, um, but we're also teaching. We have a lot to get of information to get out into the world. So um, being humble and being realizing that we're we're also students and we have to learn and evolve and you know we're still iterating on that original everyday formula and rather than just saying it was an amazing formula and this is what it is we learned things about some of the ingredients over the years and so we're not scared to like go back to the drawing board and and continue with what people love about that formula but um you know but really look at ourselves like you know we're both students and teachers Performer teacher turned beauty brand founder, Holly Thaggard's Sun Safe skincare brand, Supergoop, is more than a successful business. It's a massive classroom that gives her and her team the opportunity to teach people how to protect themselves from the sun while enjoying life outside. Inspired by friends whose skin cancer might have been prevented by protecting themselves from UV rays, Supergoop's mission of living bright is not just a slogan. It's a way of life. Coming up, you'll hear the origin of the Supergoop name and Holly's vision to educate the world about safe sun protection. How Holly figured out the path to building a skincare company. How she used social media not only to sell products, but to educate as many people as possible. Why company culture is important to the success of her business. How she's navigated building a business with offices in two different states. And how Supergoop has found a creative way to get people to apply sunscreen around their eyes, where there's more danger than we realize. This is the Entrepreneurista Podcast, presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done and what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram. With no filters, no limits, and plenty of surprises. Holly, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks. It's good to be here. So you started Supergoop on a mission to end the skin cancer epidemic. How did you become so passionate about this cause? Yeah, well, you know, um, so my background really wasn't in the beauty industry at all. I was out of post-college. I was a third grade school teacher. And I um, did that for only one short year and then had to sort of pivot. I felt a little claustrophobic in the classroom. And I pivoted to um, a a talent that I had nurtured most of my life as a harpist. And I spent my 20s performing and playing the harp. I played a little backup for Aretha Franklin. That's real cool. um, Yeah, it was fun. And I actually met my husband playing at a party at the uh, Museum of Art in Dallas. And um, it was a little bit later than that um, when a friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours, was diagnosed with skin cancer. And I was talking with a college roommate of mine who was going through her residency in dermatology. And I was like, how did this happen? He was so young. He's 29. Wow. And, you know, she said, despite, you know, what the world looks like, this was in 2005, it's not about the beach. It's not about, you know, just uh, summer seasonal SPF use. It's really that cumulative damage that happens over the course of a lifetime that um, contributes towards, for most people, much later in life, skin cancer. Um, But for your friend, it just happened a little bit younger. 
Yeah. So, you know, the light bulb went off. My, uh, my, um, I thought immediately about my time in the classroom and the kids are outside um, at recess and after school, often in sports. And I never once saw a tube of sunscreen that year. And, you know, I looked at the industry. My parents are entrepreneurs. I mentioned that earlier. Um, and, you know, it, it, um, it was a really sleepy category. It was very seasonal. At retail, um, you know, there were big distortion of, of products on the end cap in the summer, and then they'd all disappear. Mm -hmm. And the chemical formulas on the market were full of very controversial ingredients. And uh, the mineral formulas were sticky and thick and pasty. And, you know, I just I was inspired to change the way the world thinks about sunscreen. Where did the name Supergoop come from? So, um, you know, my first formula on the market was our everyday. It's still one of our top three formulas. Um, but my inspiration for that formula was really about delivering a clean chemical formula to the country. And when I said that, and it was really before the word clean was really out there. But um, what I found in all chemical formulas is they were full of oxybenzone. My mother's a breast cancer survivor, and I knew that oxybenzone was also found in breast cancer tissue. And so if I was going to create this magic um, sunscreen, I felt like it had to be void of oxybenzone. And so um, I researched and found chemists along the way that were interested in coming along and trying to figure out how to do this and achieve the high broad spectrum SPF protection without oxybenzone. And... Um, when I, we ultimately passed formulas around and, and this was over a two, three year time span, but I referred to these as goop because, you know, I didn't not being from the beauty industry, I really didn't know they were called lab samples. And, <laughs> um, and then when our formula got to a great place and I, my family was all on board, I have a family of golfers and really active, you know, everybody had different once for this formula. And, you know, I just kind of said, this is super and, and it stuck the name super goop. And it was also, a, I was looking for, and so we created the product actually before I had a brand name. It was important to me that the name for our brand be fun and playful in spirit, because at the time, and this was again, like 2005, six, if you said the word sunscreen to anyone, it was just like, oh, this is such a messy, sticky thing you have to put up with when you're vacationing. And so because it had such a ne negative reputation, I felt like we had to create a brand that was very playful in spirit and had a fun name that was fun to say and that made you want to smile and enjoy the outdoors. And your branding, your packaging, it's absolutely fun, playful, and beautiful. So you definitely did you. an incredible job doing that. When you first launched, what was the first product that you launched with or the so first that was, group of products? It, no, it was our everyday formula because the original plan was just to create one clean formula that could go into schools across America. I really wanted to teach, kind of pull from my teaching career, and I wanted to teach children this healthy habit. Uh, it was a complete failure for a number of reasons, but... Um, you know, the formula was amazing, but I quickly learned that every state in the country prohibited the use of sunscreen because it was thought of as an over-the-counter drug. Mm. And so California was the only state that had carved out a policy to allow SPF in schools without a doctor's note and without being kept in the nurse's station. That is wild. It's crazy. So you went on this mission to really help change that in, in schools and change the, the way people think about sunscreen. Right. So I thought about it like children have access to soap in the cafeteria. It's a healthy habit yeah. that we teach our kids to wash their hands. 
Um, when they go out on the playground, they ha- generally most schools have a fence around the playground to protect from oncoming cars and traffic. But, you know, the sun, which is a carcinogen, um, is right up there shining bright and nobody has um, any means to protect our, our body's largest organ. So the, you know, original business model was like, we're going to get super goop into schools right. across America. And you say that failed. Why did that fail when you tried doing that? Primarily because I quickly learned that it was prohibited on yeah. school campuses. Yeah. So I'd have to limit all of my distribution to the state of California. And I lived in Texas. Um, I did spend a couple of years because I taught in a private school and I knew that the rules were a little different for private schools. I spent 2007 and eight uh, really um, hitting the pavement and talking to private schools. But I also found that that was incredibly hard, going to be hard to scale. Yeah. Um, the only schools I could really get interested in coming on board with with teaching a curriculum that I had written for pre-K through fifth grade. And putting Supergoop into the classrooms um, were those schools where a headmaster had had skin cancer mm. or a personal experience with it. And then they, they got it, right? So it was um, – but it was slow moving and growing. And, I, you know, when you have this big mission to change the way the world thinks about sunscreen, to think that you can only scale by like, you know, five or ten schools um, a year is just like a little – it's not going to work that way. And I think for other reasons it failed because we hadn't really built the brand. Mm-hmm. And, you know, building a brand and being thought of as an expert in a category um, where all skincare, and again, 2007, eight, skincare was a super serious topic. Mm-hmm. It was all about the doctor driven brands and the clinicals, and it was all very serious. Supergoop was like this fun, playful thing, but it had very serious science behind it. Um, but it also was hard to be taken seriously. And I think, um, you know, when you're thinking of parents feeling comfortable putting, introducing a product that had no reputation yet, um, it was it was going to be a challenge. I knew that that was going to be very difficult, particularly if I went the private school route where parents tend to be a little more hands on. And um, it, it seemed that I needed to figure out a different way. Can you take us back in time? So you had this aha moment to start the business and you wanted to change the world. What did you do first? I know you said it was a two to three year period for, you know, producing the formula, but how did you know what to do? This was a time when you could start to get on the internet and yeah. Google and, <laughs> and, and find, you know, who are, who are the chemists out there that were working on SPF? What were the labs, the contract manufacturers? I could probably do it a little bit faster now, knowing what I know, but because I didn't, it was really just to like explore Google, who's making SPF. And then chemists, um, finding the chemists that would talk to me again, initially, the biggest challenge was really the oxybenzone thing. And Mm -hmm. I knew that um, also parabens, propylene glycol, I started researching ingredients, retinol palmitate, these were all ingredients that were in every sunscreen across the market. And, you know, when you think about that being so closely tied to um, people's aversion to sunscreen, it makes sense because people felt like it wasn't a beautiful, luxurious experience. It often itched and burned their skin or burned their eyes. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we just really had work to do initially in, in 
you know, creating a formula that people could embrace and would be excited to apply 365 days a year. What does the testing process look like for sunscreen? How do you test to see if it's working in the initial <laughs> stages? Yeah, so because it's an over-the-counter drug, it's regulated by the FDA, and your contract manufacturers have to be in facilities that are FDA-approved. Um, that means they get audited regularly. So the testing that goes into SPF products is pretty stringent. It takes a lot of time. Um, you can often get through this four or five month process and have your formula fall apart and then you're back to square one again. So that it initially took a little bit of time, particularly because of the, um, you know, we were looking so closely at ingredients that had never been done before mm-hmm. and, um, you know, but it, it's a it's a process that we know really well. We're very intimate with it now. We know um, what chemists are really good, and and we're able to develop both clean chemical and mineral formulas in ways that I think people without experience um, d- don't really mm-hmm. know. And so, yeah, you start with where do you get this formula to where you like how it feels and and what your hopes are for it, and then you move forward with your SPF testing. It's all done on humans. Um, it's, uh, next is your critical wavelength testing, then your PA rating and any number of other tests like ophthalmologist testing, dermatologist, all these things that have to be done once you get to that place and you've got what you think is great. You put it in an oven for three months at high heat and see if it doesn't fall apart. So it's a pretty time consuming process. Um, and I think, you know, that only encourages us now to keep so much in the pipeline, um, we have SPF in the works for the next, gosh, three to five years. And so you can always, if something falls apart, you can always push something further ahead and mm-hmm. and really continue to, you know, I've always believed that if you're not creating something that's new and game changing, you know, why bother? So um, we never really know which formulas we're going to be able to get to market sooner or later or What are some of the myths associated with SPF? I feel like I saw an Oprah special years ago about (laughs) SPF 20 versus 30 versus 50. What does that all mean? The biggest problem is people think that if they apply it once in the morning, they're good. Yeah. And SPF breaks down when exposed to sunlight. Um, Every two or three hours when you're in direct sunlight, you must reapply. And that's, I think, the key to keeping your skin young and beautiful is just really have um, that product handy in your bag that you can pull out in the middle of the day or multiple times a day and reapply. Also, the inspiration behind things like Defense Refresh Makeup Setting Mist and, you know, the problem I had always heard from people was how do I reapply my SPF mm-hmm. when I have a full face of makeup on? And, and you know, that's that's when I started looking at makeup setting mist. And people are using those throughout mm-hmm. the day. So how can we create this, you know, beautiful matte formula that doesn't mess your makeup up, goes right, you know, over a full face and, and uh, reapplies your SPF at the same time? So we think about our brand in terms of a real product solution, a problem solution brand that like we're going to develop those formulas that we hear there's a need for because people don't have the answer as to how to apply or or have the solution that's there. I think the other let's see the sky high SPF numbers is yeah, crazy. What does that mean? Well, there's you know back when I started again the the industry was so sleepy that the only innovation was really in the number SPF 15, 30, 50, 100 uh, lotion spray gel. And it was just very like basic. Um, and so therefore, you know, the 
mass industry that owned kind of the sun care market would be able to have multiple price points based on how high the SPF is. And and it created this, um, I think, consumer awareness around like the higher the SPF, the more protection. But mm. again, it all goes back to you have to reapply. So the SPF hundreds break down at a pace right there with the SPF 30s so that even, you know, either one out there after two or three hours, you've got to reapply. So there's really no need for these higher than SPF 50 numbers because it exposes your skin to so much more actives that are can be irritating to the skin. It's not necessary because you still have to reapply. So I think this idea that, um, you know, there's this one SPF that will last all day or provide continuous protection um, is a real big myth um, that, you know, we have to talk more about, which we do have um, so many series on our on our Supergoop Instagram account and even my personal account that we're delivering education to kind of debunk these myths and and set the record straight. I feel like that's so needed because most people are just not educated about sunscreen. You go to the store, you grab what you see there, and you hope that it works. And maybe you get a burn, maybe you don't, but you really don't know what you're putting on your body. So the fact that you're using your social media for good and educating is, I think, is so important. Well, and it's so appropriate for me being a former teacher. I mean, I really grew up wanting to be a teacher, yeah. and I do believe that I'm still teaching. I just am not confined to the four walls of a classroom. <laughs> I have um, a much, much bigger class than the original 17. <laughs> and you have, I think, over 200,000 followers on Instagram. How did you guys do that? What do you think has led to the success of your social and your brand really taking off? You know, I like to. Um, I think that it was a big nod to our product. I've, product's always been first for me. Um, but the I think really taking off in the last few years is a nod to our team. We have an incredible, very small still team, but we're 45-ish. And our team is phenomenal at what they do. And they're all as passionate as I am um, about SPF. We are all SPF obsessed. And so I think having um, over the last five years, gosh, my first employee was only six years ago. So those early days, I really bootstrapped and um, used my family for a sounding board and um, and poured every dollar into product, into to developing really game-changing SPF products. And then more you know, recently, like I said, we started building the team. And I think that's really where, um, while we were doubling in size back in the early days. It was just more of a nod to the brand and doing something innovative that I think fun, you know, fueled the growth. Um, more recently, it's really been having this team in place that's just phenomenal. They're all much better at their jobs than I ever was juggling all the balls in the air. But um, but that's been fun for me too, to, to free myself up to do what I love to do, which is talk SPF. <laughs> Who was the first person you hired? That was my question. <laughs> Sophia um, was, and she heads up product now. Um, she did not come from the beauty industry. And interestingly, a lot of our team didn't come from roles. Some of them did, but a lot of them didn't come from, like, have already done this type thing. So it's encouraged our team to really, um, you know, think about things differently, ask a lot of questions, collaborate is really part of our brand. And uh, I think, 
you know, Sophia, uh, that that first interview, probably, I wish I had it on a recording. It was probably like, I need you to do everything I can't do anymore. (laughs) Like, I don't have time to do. But, you know, she started out just like helping me with invoicing. And and because product was such a big part, she got intimately involved with, do you like this or do you like that? And, you know, she and I talked a lot about product in the early days. And as we began to hire more people, um, and I think like, you know, having accounting was next, to take all of the invoicing and banking that she really didn't want any part of either. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, we started, she started realizing that what she was passionate about was, was product development. And now she's my director of product. So she's been with you now for six plus years. Mm-hmm. What do you think has kept her with the company wanting to continue to grow with you? you know, I think she's just really a curious girl. She's, um, she's young and super smart and, so I think what's fueled her interest in our brand has just been, you know, having the ability to figure it out and continue learning and continue like, hey, what do we do about this? And, you know, she she's really good at Googling everything. Um, she never really even asks questions. She'll like I ask her more questions and she'll <laughs> Google it and I'll be like, oh, I forgot. I <laughs> but I think she's just a real curious curious individual and, and, you know, whip smart. Can you tell us a little bit about how you did grow and scale the team? Cause you started, it was just you and her, and now you have over 40 plus people. So what, what has that been like over the years? Yeah, there were a few other um, key hires that we initially made. Um, and, and one or two came from just being uh, friends of mine, one in particular, that's a melanoma survivor. She was a young mom to three, but she got on board and wasn't working, but she, you know, saw what I was doing and being a melanoma survivor. And she was, um, you know, just passionate, like put me to work kind of thing. So there were a couple of those. Um, But then it was really only about three and a half, four years ago, um, after doing a capital raise that, um, you know, I sat down with one of our investors and he said to me, what is it you want to do? Think ahead, you know, in the future, what is it that you feel like only you can do and that you you actually couldn't hire in building a team. And it was really interesting because I um, I initially said, well, definitely product because I love to create. And so I want product to always be very near and dear to myself and my role in the job. But also I feel like, you know, getting out and talking to people and inspiring and putting a megaphone to our message and being in stores and, and you know, talking to those people in Sephora that are that are helping move our product to the consumer. And I think this is something that you just, you know, you probably can't hire mm-hmm. and um, you can't hire someone to dream about SPF like I do. <laughs> and um when I thought about what I didn't want to do was really, you know, I feel like while I love to lead by inspiration, I love, I love to fire everyone and motivate everyone up. Um, I really don't want a big team reporting to me. Um, I was that kid in school where if you gave me a group project, I'd tell everybody to go home and I'll, I'll do it and I'll come (laughs) back the next day and it'll be amazing, but I, I need to do it by myself. And so we realized that um, what I really needed was to find my integrator. I needed to find my president who could then help me build an org chart. And and so it was about four years ago when I set out to look for Amanda, um, who is now our brand president. Uh, she's here in New York. And how'd you find her? A headhunter. So we, um, my brother had invested in our brand um, to fund my initial launch in Sephora. 
and it was 2011-ish, and when we launched in Sephora, and uh, you know, later a little bit, a few years later than that, is when we made the decision to find a, a president for the brand, and we decided, and you know, we were a okay with taking a year and really taking our time. I'd heard some horror stories of founders and presidents not getting along well, and. And uh, so we we anticipated taking one year of just nonstop meetings, and we actually interviewed headhunters probably for a month or two before we decided on the one that was perfect to find this person. So we had to first interview the headhunters, wow. <laughs> and then when we found the one that we felt was the right fit for us, um, we we started down that path of just weekly Monday through Friday. I'd fly in on Monday and. We'd take two or three meetings. These were long meetings, two or three hours each. So we'd, we'd take two or three meetings a day. And and then, you know, I'd come back the next week and we would decide which ones we wanted to meet with again. And he'd always fuel a few more extras. And we did this for a few months. Uh, ultimately, um, we found Amanda pretty quickly. And so I got to know her really well because we, we thought we were going to take a year. So we, like, over the course of six months, kept getting back together with her. And I think it was... For her benefit, too, you know, she came from L. Catterton. She was on the um, operating team there, had had experience with um, Lauder and LVMH on the beauty side, but also a finance background from Goldman Sachs out of, out of uh, business school. And, you know, this was a big step for her to come to an indie brand, I think, as much as it was for us to decide on who it would be that would help me build the team. So um, she was fine with going through those stages. And I felt like often those meetings, she was interviewing us. <laughs> so, yeah. And then we step, started down the path of like, how are we going to do this? Once we found her, um, we just started like, you know, we needed a head of sales, head of marketing, head of operations, and all of these roles and put together um, an org chart over a couple, you know, what what it would look like over a couple of years. And, and you know, here we are today with... 45. Wow. Coming up, company culture and not taking no for an answer. Stephanie and I know very, very well how important a company culture is. Can you talk to us about what it's like to work at Supergoop? Oh, I love that question because I think, you know, culture and the pillars of our brand are so important to, um, to making things work. And, you know, we're in two different offices too. So we have San Antonio where I live and, and then, um, you know, New York here where Amanda lives and heads up the team here. And so we also have to figure out sort of how to make them both commingle. And, and Amanda and I, when we started out on building who's going to do what in which office, um, we talked a lot about, she believes strongly that the culture, you know, it's all about San Antonio is really where we, even though our office is smaller there, um, it's really where we consider our headquarters. Um, in fact, we say that um, we're Southerners in the city, and I am mm -hmm. from Louisiana, and, and she quickly learned the way that in which I think about things is is truly reminiscent of how I was brought up and how, you know, you write your handwritten thank you notes and you, you, you answer on Instagram or everything that you're doing is, is really done with a nod to the South and how people, um, how people think about, um, 
interacting with each other. And so we decided that as we were building the team in New York, we would always onboard them in San Antonio. Mm. So their first experiences with the brand are actually jumping on a plane and coming and going to my house for dinner. And, and even with agencies that we work with over the, over time, um, we went through recently a kind of branding experience and we brought the team, even though they were a New York based team, we immediately flew them all to San Antonio to have dinner at my house and, um, really, you know, sort of get what I'm about. And as a, as a brand founder with a very big mission and a vision for what we're doing, we've always felt like it's really important that everybody kind of first up here that's going to be working day to day understand where more about me. And then um, we do the same thing with the team in San Antonio. You know, we have our product development, regulatory, accounting, finance, operations team in San Antonio, but their first days on the job are always, um, and our customer experience team is there too. And so their first days on the job are coming to New York and getting to know the team in New York. So they really initially, you know, those first weeks are so important on a new job. They actually get to see and get to know the team that they're not interacting with on a daily basis. And then we use Slack um, to keep everybody intertwined constantly. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of Slack. Um, our Kudos channel is, you know, one of my favorite channels where anybody on the team can chime in and give a congratulations to to anybody on the team that's doing an, an amazing job. And we're all, you know, going 90 to nothing these days. And our sunscreen bartenders are out east. And, you know, we've got so much going on that um, it's easy for our controller and our finance team to not even know that we're out popping up at the surf lodge. And, you know, these girls are working all weekend long through through our peak season. And um, and so kudos is a really great way to keep us keep us all together. Um, we also decided that we another value of ours that I love is we say yes and we won't take no for an answer. And that just really kind of ties into how we deal with not only consumers, but also our retail partners. And, you know, we have a, several big accounts, Blue Mercury and Sephora, and how we interact with their team that's also passionate about helping us build and grow is, you know, we first say yes and we figure out how to do it, how to make it happen. And we, you know, are a very um, yes brand, which is, I think, real consistent with being happy and, and, you know, being a playful brand that believes in being outside and enjoying life. We all have outside hobbies and sports and talents and things that we, you know, we all love to do independently, but then we also can enjoy those things, you know, together. And, and then ultimately, you know, we bring the whole team together, um, once a year to like really get together. And we do that in San Antonio as well. What are those outings like with the whole team? A lot of fun. We have <laughs> one tonight. We're going, um, we're going to the Soho house to watch a movie in the cinema room. Oh, nice. um, and we have, um, it's going to be a lot of fun. The team's getting bigger. So they're, you know, we're growing really quickly. So um, you're going to have a new venue soon. <laughs> yeah, I know. And having, um, having those experiences, I think, with a fast-growing team that are in two different locations is really important just to get to know each other mm -hmm. so that – because really all the different areas interact with each other. I mean, 
you know, my sales team interacts with operations. We're, you know, trying to keep our brand, our products off of back order right now. It's kind of with glow stick and it's impossible and it's still on back order for a few more weeks. But um, it's important for our teams to all feel comfortable working together and interacting together and and evaluating our, you know, cogs and the events we're doing and everything. Are you still involved in any interviews with new hires or is that mostly Amanda now? So every single one, every single one, um, multi, often the team will, you know, create, I mean, they'll, they'll handle most of the interviews and narrow it down to two or three. And then at that point, um, we do them in person. Mm -hmm. So it's, there's nothing like an in-person meeting. And I think, you know, our, our brand president, Amanda has been so respectful of me through the process of us working together over the last three years that, um, you know, she ultimately wants to do as much as she can to take things off my plate. But she also feels like there might be, you know, more insight on something that she didn't catch or somebody else, you know, didn't think about when hiring. So I still, I still meet and talk with, with everyone. Are there certain questions you ask that are non-negotiables that you always ask in any interview? You know, I try to figure out ways to ask about, to, to get at if the person is, you know, kind of a drama person. I'm not a drama person. What do you ask? I would love to know this, actually. I know. And I try to, I think I came right out with Amanda and asked her, how do you handle drama? Or like growing up with having sisters and brothers, who was the one in your family? I, I can ask, you know, usually in a family of three or so, there's one person that has some drama. Mm-hmm. And so often, if you get people describing their brothers or sisters, then you kind of see where they fit in. Interesting. Um, I don't like drama. <laughs> I just yeah. I, who does? I mean, know. some people do, but in some business, there's no time for that. There's no time, and this is a happy brand. Yes. And um, I think that you know, another one of our values is that we're students and we're teachers, and so to you know, we're constantly learning, um, but we're also teaching. We have a lot to get of information to get out into the world. So um, being humble and being realizing that we're we're also students and we have to learn and evolve and. You know, we're still iterating on that original everyday formula. And rather than just saying it was an amazing formula and this is what it is, we learned things about some of the ingredients over the years. And so we're not scared to, like, go back to the drawing board and and continue with what people love about that formula. But, um, you know, but really look at ourselves like, you know, we're both students and teachers. Have you made any hiring mistakes? I mean, we we all have. Yes. But. <laughs> yes. And I think with that, you know, you just have to realize that it's as, it's in the best interest of the person, too, to let them go. Yeah. And, uh, and like, go find what it is that they should be doing mm-hmm. as well. Because, you know, if it's not working from your end, they're not – they're feeling it, mm-hmm, too. Mm-hmm. And so think about it from their perspective. Um, and, again, that kind of goes to, like, our mentality of being happy and – um, it's, it's super, you know, super important to like, I think also hiring slowly has helped avoid a lot of that, I think, by like really getting to know, I think why, you know, one of the things I'm, I'm most proud of is finding Amanda and taking my time. Whereas we really needed a president when we hired her, like we really needed to build a team. We probably put off a little bit of growth, um, as a sacrifice to like, let's take our time. And find the right person. And when you take your time and you have a breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and you can almost order for the other person by the time you hire them, 
then I think it's time to know, especially for the leadership roles, right? You don't always have the time in the more junior roles to like really literally have, you know, six, seven interviews because they'll go find somebody else fast. Right. <laughs> but um, I think with the leadership roles, it's super important to like really get to know the person. Um, yeah. Did you know you wanted to find someone here in New York or you were open to wherever you found that person? No, absolutely. I only interviewed in New York for the president role. Um, I knew that the talent that we would need to attract for the team, Mm -hmm. um, we would only be able to find here in New York. And there's so many events and, you know, IRL and in real life and having all the, you know, things that are happening in New York. And also, you know, we're really with trying to change the way the world thinks about sunscreen, you have to think about where the trends are set. And, and then, you know, kind of LA and New York are where people first learn about all the cool stuff. And so if you're not there first, and, um, and then, you know, I often even think Texas was probably the last place state to like really learn about us. I think even Chicago, we had a bigger market than we did in Texas for a long time. just because we had to like start where start where the trends are set and then you know slowly start um mimicking the what we're doing in those bigger cities down to the to the you know smaller cities you mentioned before that I believe it was when you had your order with Sephora that's when you knew you needed to potentially raise some money can you talk to us a little bit about the process of raising money and where you were in your business Sure, sure. So it's it was really flattering because the brand, even when we were still doing, you know, less than a million dollars, it looked a lot bigger than it was. Mm-hmm. And I think that probably is going back to where we launched in New York and L.A. We just had this bigger brand presence than we were in revenue. Um, so I often had, you know, FedEx letters from private equity and VC and, you know, just like, hey, we love what you're doing and what you stand for. It's really interesting. Would you be interested in talking with us? And so we'd have these meetings. And when I say we, it was like literally my brother and I. Um, my husband would also join occasionally, but we would um, – really just take the meetings to get to know people in the finance world that were out investing in young brands. And um, after telling our story, often I'd on the way out the door and I'd, I'd even start by, you know, full disclosure, we are way too small for y'all and we're not even thinking about raising money right now. But um, I just thought, you know, if you're interested, I'm not anybody that wants to talk about SPF, I'll talk. (laughs) So um, they'd hand me, they slip me their business card on the way out the door and just say, Hey, if you ever do like kind of a friends and family round, um, you know, let me know. And ultimately, we d- we gathered enough business cards from people that really were, um, you know, some of the partners in these bigger PE groups. But Stephen and Ty and I just started talking, my husband, my brother, and I started talking about, gosh, we have some smart people out there that are interested in investing. And why don't we put together just a small friends and family round and um, we sort of spent our Christmas holiday writing the model for what that would look like. And um, decided to raise two million, and we did. We would do it in hundred thousand dollar chunks. We called it our friends and family, um, and all, and they were there were there was friends involved in that. Um, my brother's friends had a lot of successful friends at the time. He had been out of college for a while, and um, and I had some friends, um, in, including the dermatologist college roommate that was actually at this point practicing, and she and her husband wanted to invest, and. Um, we just did this small round and closed it pretty quickly. And, you know, that really helped us fund what we needed for Sephora. And 
Uh, we did a convertible note because we weren't ready to value the company. It was growing pretty quickly. And so even if we could put that off for a year, we felt like that would be in our best interest personally. And nobody really had any problem with that. So that sort of is what drove the Series A because we had to do it to to give that friends and family round of value um, about 18 months. We, we were supposed to do it in a, in a year, but we had a clause that said we could wait 18 months if we hit certain numbers. And we did. So we max that out to the 18 months and then the friends and family round was valued and we did our formal series a um which was led by actually one of the one of the uh hundred thousand dollar investors in the friends and family well, and then that led several a couple of years later to our our series b um which now is Hopefully that's over. (laughs) So it must be different now because, you know, when you started the business, you're your own boss, you're in charge of everything. You don't have anyone to report to. And now when you raise money, there's people that you have to answer to, to make sure the company is doing well. What is that like now? Because it seems like it'd be such a big change. Yeah, we do. And we have, um, our bank is JP Morgan Chase and we have, you know, thresholds we have to hit, um, you know, in being profitable and being a profitable business. Um, and, you know, I mean, it is different, but it's, it's good because if you don't have expectations and numbers, and if you're not held to something, um, I feel like, again, it goes back to, if we want to change the way the world thinks about sunscreen, we have to scale quickly and we have to get profitable. And so while it is very different, um, having those, we've, we've met them all with the challenge and, and, you know, it's, it's working out really well for us. And I think, enabling me to stay true to my mission and and vision for growth and scale and size and and so having you know those those thresholds i guess that we have to meet is all a pretty good thing for us we want to take a moment and just celebrate your success so something that stephanie and i like to do is surprise and delight our guests so we have uh, a present for you in your entrepreneurista swag bag next to your chair oh fun <laughs> wow <laughs> Oh, Just some um, things you can oh, take to the gosh. beach while you're applying sunscreen. <laughs> I love this. How much fun. Thank you, guys. We saw on your personal social media, you're always out and about in the sun at the beach. So lots of... Uh, we are. My kids yes. love the beach. We love to be out in the sun. You know, it's really for us. Our sort of company motto is live bright. And uh, we believe that, you know, we we are giving on a silver platter the you know, the world, something to, some product to do that and to get out in the sun and enjoy life. So these will definitely be all put to good use. I'll have to hide them though from my 14 year old because (laughs) I can already see that she is going to love um, digging into this bag. Look how cute. Well, enjoy. guys. Up next, how Supergoop has found a creative way to get people to apply sunscreen around their eyes where there's more danger than we realize. A common theme from all of the guests we've interviewed on our podcast so far is that they've all relied on support from other women through groups. So we decided to start an Entrepreneurista Facebook group. Head on over to Facebook and search Entrepreneurista's. We really wanted to create a community for Entrepreneurista's to connect, share ideas, help each other solve problems, and learn from all of our collective experiences. If you join the group, it's really a safe space to talk about being an entrepreneur, sharing your wins, asking for help when needed. It's going to be an exciting 2019, and we can't wait to meet you so we can learn and grow together. 
And now we'd love to talk about your product. So they're sitting out here right in front of us. And I mentioned before, the packaging is absolutely beautiful. But can you tell us more about each of these products and the uses for all of them? Yeah, the talking product is my favorite. Um, My favorite thing to do because I feel like, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we're a very problem solution brand. Um, Our first formula was the everyday. It's still one of our top three formulas. It's for everybody, everywhere. Um, It is. Oh, that one, yeah. Yep. Um, And we've had many iterations on it. It has a high PA rating of four pluses, which is the Japanese rating for UVA protection. Um, And it's a real lightweight for active individuals with water resistance. So um, where we started to grow from there is like, how do we solve the problems and how do we create a beautiful, luxurious oil? It's one of my favorites, our sun-defying sunscreen body oil. Um, It's just really light, but it's we formulated with the argon and metafoam seed oils of the Amazon, which are really dry touch oils, but they also lock in hydration. Fantastic body product, water resistant, um, you know, even all the way to, um, you know, our shimmer shades, which were our most recent launch. And it was my solution to how do we get SPF onto people's eyes in a fun and playful way. Ooh, so fun. So those eyeshadows? So eyeshadows in a, in a dreamy little pot and they're nice, bouncy, Ooh. soft formula that can be applied with your finger. And they're the solution to, you know, what I've had so many conversations with dermatologists over the years where the eye area is not only vulnerable to sun damage and aging, but it's also one of the places most, you know, found for skin cancer. Wow. People are avoiding putting SPF because on their you think eyes. it's going to burn your eyes if you put it over exactly. your eyes. So very smart. Is anyone else doing this? You're the first to market. First ever. But that, that's what yeah, we're known for doing. innovative. Um, even with our makeup setting mist, that was like, how do we get people to reapply their SPF? Which one is that here? That's this guy. Um, and it's literally just, we worked with Rebecca Taylor and co-branded the packaging. We love to kind of have fun and... And, uh, and Instagrammable. Instagrammable. <laughs> you shake, 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 and then you just mist it right over your makeup. And uh, it's really refreshing and... And just, um, it was the first ever makeup setting mist with SPF, broad spectrum. I think I have to try this right now. I have makeup on, so let's... uh... Is there a product you always have in your bag? Is it this one? This one, (laughs) for sure. And you just shut your eyes and mist it over your face. Mmm, and it smells good, too. I have that. And it smells like the beach. That's my favorite smell. (laughs) (laughs) What else do I have? I have Super Screen in in my bag, which is... This just like simple but very complicated um, daily moisturizer protects from UVA, UVB, IRA, infrared rays, blue light, pollution. It's just like this bouncy, lightweight, whipped moisturizer with broad spectrum SPF 40. So um, I love that. I love it. And I actually have it all over my arms and legs today because I, I can't wait to try part. all these products. They're just just beautiful. And I'm certain- seeing all my favorite influencers talk about it this uh unseen sunscreens that one is actually something i saw an influencer post about maybe like a week ago so unseen sunscreen is the number one spf in sephora by over two times um it is this unbelievably lightweight invisible weightless scentless um, velvety makeup gripping primer. Um, but for men who have never felt a primer, they're like blown away <laughs> by the fact that it's just like this really unique texture you must try. Um, everybody's very 
surprised to learn that it has broad spectrum protection built right in. But I think of SPF like I often, when my children were younger, I would slip peas into their peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> and I talked to our chemist about like, if, if I can tell there's wow. SPF in this, we have not accomplished our goal. And so it's all for me about hiding that SPF in these beautiful, luxurious formulas that you literally want to apply whether you're going to bed or hitting the day. Cordy, you want to try it? All right, ready? I was going to throw it to you. Ready? (laughs) What about sunscreen for kids in your line? So with the, you know, early, I mean, kids were always in mind. So ingredient choices are huge for us. We have to be incredibly mindful of avoiding anything controversial in our formulas. Um, So our line has always been playful and fun and kid-centric first, um, this year, really exciting launch for me that I've been just personally working on over the last couple of years is Sunny Screen by Supergoop. Um, it is this, and I like to say and think of it as my first SPF. And it's very on brand for us. It's just differentiated in that most of our line has, you know, this white aesthetic with um, a pop of yellow. Sunny Screen is a light blue with a pop of yellow. And It's just a very simple three formulas, uh, a spray um, that's like a finger trigger spray, a lotion, and a stick. And it's just like uber, uber clean, non-nano, all mineral, super healthy ingredients. And um, it's really for – it's like my first SPF. So it's for those like one, two, three-year-olds. And, you know, we believe that if you can start this habit at a very young age, it's much easier than if you have to change a child's behavior when they hit five or six or, you know, even middle school, high school. And so we really try to think about from what formulas are we going to put out into the world that are appropriate for every age group and then, you know, explain how we can make create decision trees so that people can then find what's right for their skin because what's right for my skin may not be right for yours and what's right for yours may not be right for your brothers. So we really are about being a very inclusive brand that is mindful of every skin type and color and tone and and even activity because what's right for an athlete is not necessarily right for a stay-at-home mom. When is this launching for kids? This year. It's already on the market. All right. Well, I'm going to be – you're definitely going to be one of your first customers. Supergoop.com <laughs> um, and, and dermatologists and pediatrician offices. Amazing. So. When are you supposed to start putting sunscreen on kids? I have a 10-and-a-half-week-old, so I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm first learning all of this stuff now. Like when I'm going outside, should I be putting sunscreen on? Sure. Yeah. After six months. Okay. And what you'll learn about your 10-and-a-half-month-old is what's right for – is it a boy or a girl? A girl. Ten and a half weeks. She's very oh, new ten baby. And a half yes. weeks. New baby. It's a little early yeah. right now. So six months. So okay. Six months. Wait wait for six months. And I mean, ideally that rule exists because you really want to protect their skin completely yep. from going out into the sun prior to six months. I know that's really hard, especially with second and third children. Um, but their skin is so delicate that like if you're going out, just make sure that she has a hat on and that she has a blanket on her little feet and toes and you know, just make sure she's really protected um, by clothing and shade and umbrellas um, prior to six months. And then you want to start that habit, which I love and enjoyed with my kids because I treated it like massage time. Yeah. So I kept our little Pampa Supergoop on the changing table. And that was the time in the morning when we would do our baby massages. And 
actually, my son still enjoys the massage by the pool. <laughs> but when he has to reapply, he's like, huh. <laughs> he turns his shoulder. Massage and, time. Yeah, it's massage time. I love so. that. And Holly, is there anything that we haven't talked about yet that you want to be sure that we ask you so you mention it? Um, I've learned so much. <laughs> you know, I think coming full circle yeah. to our ounce by ounce giving program, okay. which is now we've been um, very active on Capitol Hill. And I have met with a lot of senators and congressmen over the years to change the laws that exist in schools. And so sort of coming full circle with our mission and my original plan, yeah. which was a total failure now actually happening. I, I we, told them. I yeah, we have 19 states now that um, are okay with sending SPF in your child's backpack. And a lot of it, what I learned was really just about bringing awareness yeah. to this antiquated law that existed. And so it hasn't been particularly hard. It's just been time consuming. Yeah. And I think, you know, for our brand, it's been really important to real, realize and recognize that we couldn't have sped this up at all because we really had to to make sunscreen cool. We had to, over time, continue to deliver innovation that positioned us as being the experts in SPF that we are. And you can't become an expert overnight. Yeah. And so, you know, speeding this this journey up for me just wasn't in the cards for this brand. And I think what is exciting is that we've now built the brand up and um, we are well known. And so now trying to go into schools isn't very difficult because we've also brought awareness to changing the laws that exist and and families are excited to embrace what we're doing and, and put Supergoop into their child's classroom. And, and also having built this at retail, we're able to fund it now, which was going to be a, my third challenge initially was getting schools convinced to pay for Supergoop in the classroom, which was part of my original model. And so now we fund the entire thing. Wow. It's super easy. A parent, it's best driven by the parent, actually. If the parent finds out about our program um, through podcasts like this or, or editorial, they just call Supergoop and we ship a pump to their child's classroom and... You know, whether or not children will embrace that and use it is is totally optional. What is the um, program called? Ounce by ounce. Ounce by ounce. And so at, with ounce by ounce, you ship a bottle to the, the children's classroom and then they pass it around. I'll put lotion pass on each around. other. And, and we can hook the child's teacher up with um, – I've worked alongside MD Anderson who has a Moonshots program, the Cancer Center in Houston – who has a moonshots program to help educate about sun safety. And they've actually written a beautiful curriculum that can be pulled in one lesson at a time, one lesson a week, one lesson a month, however frequently the teacher has time for. So we'll send, we'll send a, um, a monthly newsletter to the, to the teacher if they want it, if they don't want it, we don't, they'll never hear from us again. Um, but if they would like it, we give them a little bit of tips you know, a few tips based on the month and how they might teach about kids what their shadow means or whatever. And, um, and that way we can stay in touch with them and address any concerns or questions they have about SPF or the giving program, or they can introduce us to another school in awesome. the district or another classroom. What are you most excited about in five to 10 years? Where do you see super goop being? You know, having seen um, the growth in the last 15 years and the change in consumer behavior and consumers embracing SPF like they are now, when I think ahead five to 10 years, I really get excited about 
SPF being just as common as uh, when you look on a on a mountain, uh, a skiing mountain, and you see kids in in helmets. And I think um, you know we're getting there, but I think we're not quite there. You know, it's it's unheard of that kids would be skiing without a helmet on. And I want that to become the norm for SPF. I love that. I love that. Do you think we're close? I think we are. I I think we're getting there. Yeah. Yeah. Because I've seen what 15 years can do. We've gone from one state even allowing it into 19 states. And we've gone from, you know, I mean, it's just not even cool to, to have a sunburn anymore. And um, it's, it's not cool to, you know, to not have SPF as part of your Instagram shelfie, um, we're getting there. Based on everything that you've learned uh, from starting this business, what would you go back and tell yourself when you first started? Oh, that's a good question, you know, because I think I believe so much in the in the idea that everything happens for a reason. And so it's just like being a teacher. If I hadn't taught that one year, I may never have had this idea. Mm-hmm. At the time, I thought, oh, my gosh, I went through school to be a teacher and I'm, it's over in one year. Um, I think even being a musician in my 20s, it taught me how to break, break things down when you're a musician. You know, you, you look at each measure and then you go to the next measure and the next measure. And it also taught me a lot of confidence to like sit there in, in the Dallas Museum of Art and play for 2,000 people and perform. It later helped me go to investors and sit in a room of, you know, a lot of serious people <laughs> pitch my product. So I, I really think, you know, I'd continue and keep everything just as it has been. And what would you say being an entrepreneurista means to you? I think it means waking up every day, you know, just staying true to your vision and and doing that in every making helping that guide your every decision that you make that day. Holly, thank you so much for being here and sharing your story of how you have grown this business and it's continuing to grow and thrive. And we're so excited to to try all these products. Where can everyone find you, follow you, and buy your products? Sure. So you can find me on Instagram at Holly Thaggard. And you can find Supergoop at Supergoop. Um, our products are at Sephora, Blue Mercury, and, um, of course, Supergoop.com. Well, and gosh, yes, and thank you guys for the surprise, too. Can I can I reciprocate and offer you a coupon code on Supergoop.com? Yes. Okay, so for 10% off, um, I think you can – we'll just set it up for Entrepreneurista. Perfect. So for everyone who's listening, use code entrepreneurista on supergoop.com for 10% off. And we'll also share all of our social too. So perfect. can't wait to spread your mission and share Supergoop with everyone. Oh, thanks, ladies, so much for having me. This has been fun. Thanks for being Thank here. You. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Courtney. And this is the best business meeting we've ever had. Thanks for listening. 